You're listening to a podcast by New Heights Church. We hope you're encouraged to glorify, grow, and go. Today we're going to be looking at Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. And we're going to, today we're going to see Paul speaking about the topic of parenting. Um, I want to put a disclaimer because I know, right, uh, we are uh, defensive about our parenting techniques on how we parent our little ones. Uh, my goal is not to share with you all my my philosophy and techniques, so to speak. Um, we have different homes, different personalities, different children. And parenting looks different um, from home to home. And in many ways, it looks different from, from child to child. Um, now, I don't know if anyone has seen the show The Parent Test. Has anyone watched this? It's like a reality show. Listen, I, I never would suggest a reality show except for this one. Uh, it's super interesting. It's, you have, the parent test is, they have these, um, it's like 50 different families, right? And the parents come, and they all have different philosophies of parenting. And they're all trying to win a competition, so the parents and the children are all involved. And depending on how, the, how well the kids perform, you know, the, that means their parents are really good parents. And if they perform bad, then their parents are really bad parents. Real, sounds healthy. But this is, this is what the show is, and it's called The Parent Test. And I, what I've learned by watching this show is uh, I, I, I hate all of their techniques. I don't like any of them, and not one. And, and there's a bunch of different ones. You have uh, strict, you have free range, you have traditional. But one thing that stood out to me is there, there wasn't anything biblical. In fact, it reminded me of what Will talked about last week. When, when he was talking about the difference between traditional marriage and biblical marriage. That's what came to mind as I watched it, that there's a difference between traditional or strict, or any uh, what we're, most Christians maybe assume as parenting styles. There's a difference between those and biblical parenting styles. Now, I realize that um, we will agree, hopefully as Christians, on philosophical foundations when it comes to parenting. And, and that will differ on how it works itself out in, in our homes. Um, but I think, I hope, that we see that there are some principles that are not up for debate. The Scripture has much to say about, uh, on how to parent, about parenting. It says a lot on how to child, right? How to be a kid uh, under the obedience of your mom and dad. So I, I realized, right, that, that this is you know, this could be uh, difficult for some. And I don't, I don't also want to exclude some of you who don't have kids. Um, I realize that not everyone here has children, but I, I think of Paul and Timothy. Paul calls himself Timothy's spiritual father. I, I, what I would ask is that if you don't have children, listen to the characteristics of a father figure. Because some of you um, are going to be spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers to children whose parents are neglectful. Uh, and I, if, if you're a grandparent, right, take some of the principles you see and use them for your grandchildren. So just because the kids may not live in your home anymore, you don't have kids, this does apply to you. If no other reason, it shows you uh, what a perfect dad looks like, right? Because that's what we're going to be looking at. Not only how we ought to parent, but ultimately what a perfect and good dad is. Um, we have three points. That is to be obedient, to be honorable and to be growing. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this time where we can study your word. Lord, I pray that we uh, honor you with this time, that we are moved by your word, and that we will see where we need to correct, where we need to repent, 
Lord, that you use your word to train us up in righteousness. Lord, that we are honest with ourselves, with you, and our children. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first we see, be obedient. We see this in Ephesians 6.1. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. right? A verse all of us parents love. Right? A verse that we can pull out, point at the kiddos when they're being disobedient. Right? We yell at them, go make your bed. And when they ask why, we can simply say, because God says you have to obey me. Only if it worked that way. First, uh, I want to lay out who we're talking about here because all of us are someone's children. And this word here, this word children, is, is not someone, it's just simply under eight years old. This term is designated usually to young people, but those who are under or who are dependent or under the care of their parents. So if you're married, as we saw last week, you leave your mom and dad and you cling to your spouse and you become one. You're no longer under the authority of your parents. But also, if you're financially independent, you're an adult, you're living on your own, you also are not under the care of that parent. Now, we're going to come back to how we should relate to those parents because even though we're not under the care of those parents, doesn't mean there's not an obligation to them anymore. But I want you to put that on the back burner because we will return. What we see is this is first talking about dependent kids. And Scripture is clear, right? They ought to obey their parents. Let me tell you what I think is happening in this verse. Paul is speaking to children, right? He is saying, children, you ought to obey your mom and dad. But also, uh, it's very similar, I think, to what my wife does at times. Now, we have these metal coffee stirs, right? They're not, they're not like the ones you throw away. They're permanent. They're metal. I think something has to do with turtles. Got to save them. And so we have these metal stirs, and when we, we use them, and, and sometimes they are laid in front of the coffee pot by someone, and the coffee leaks off of the coffee stirrer onto the counter. Now, usually what happens is Julie will go, who, who put this coffee stirrer here? She looks over at me. In fact, in fact, it's not just her. I feel all eyes on me. I, Julie's looking at me. Uh, you know, Claire and Maddox, Milo, all of them staring at me as I'm at the table, reading, sipping coffee. Who put this here? And listen, I'm not scared. <laughs> I look straight at her. I'm a man. I look straight at her eye to eye. I say, I don't know. I don't know who put that there. We need to get to the bottom of it, though. She gives a proclamation to the entire neighborhood, and she says, listen, hear he, hear he, for anyone who uses a coffee stirrer, if you wouldn't mind, take three steps to your right and put it in the sink. The kids go, I don't even drink coffee. I say, hush it, just obey your parents. <laughs> now, just like Julie is addressing everyone, in the kitchen. She's really addressing me. Likewise, Paul is addressing the children. Obey your parents. This is what they ought to do. But he's also addressing you, parent. Your kids ought to obey you. They ought to obey you. And if they do not, then it's problematic. That's not okay from them to be rebellious against you. 
Now, it's not uniquely Christian that children are to obey their parents. My cultures throughout time have that same rule throughout the world, throughout time. It's very much the natural order of things, right? The, the bigger adults in the home get the boss around the littler uh, kids in the home. It's just how it is. Bigger humans boss around smaller humans. But Paul is writing to a people who were part of the Roman Empire, and the fathers at the time had the supreme authority. If they were angered by their children, they could disown them. It doesn't matter what age. They could kick them out, and they owed them nothing. There was no trouble of, of uh, law against neglecting your kids. You'd have a right to neglect them if you wanted. If you wanted to, you could sell them. You might sell them into slavery. You might be going, my kid doesn't work. That, wouldn't, that just wouldn't, that wouldn't function well. But you could if you wanted. Or if they made you really mad, you could kill them. Because children were the property of the father. Now with that context set, let's look at verse 1 again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You'll notice that the obedience to parents has limits. Kids are not simply to obey their parents. They're, they must obey their parents, what? In the Lord. Unlike the Roman culture, right? It was a wake-up call to them. Your children obey you as long as you are consistent with God's commands. Right? We can't enslave our children. We can't disown them. We can't neglect them. We can't murder them for not obeying because our kids are not our property. They're on loan to us for a season. For a small season, these beings who will live for eternity, they're in your care for this short time. As mom and dads, right, we are under shepherds, little pastors of our home, who parent according to our Heavenly Father. Right, so children obey, but what do they obey? They obey the commands of their parents, as long as the command of their parents are consistent with the commands of God. But this is where the sad truth is. Because we as parents are sometimes incredibly hard to obey. First, uh, because let's face it, as much as we love them, from birth, they're vipers and diapers. Right? They are. You don't have to train a kid to sin. They just know how to do it all too well. But secondly, it's hard to obey you because you are imperfect parents, right? All of us, imperfect in our own special way. And if we want our children to obey the Lord, it may mean we as parents need to repent in ways that we're leading, because just as much as this verse is about kids' obedience, it's about parental leadership. Parents, if your children are not obeying godly commands, that's not okay. It's not a phase. It's not just cute. It's not something that you justify or sweep under the rug. You do them a disservice. Disobedience against godliness must be addressed. They need to obey and they need to see godly leadership in you. You've been 
entrusted to do this. And, and listen, I understand nothing will humble you quicker than being a parent. And maybe that's just me. Maybe that's what I needed to realize how helpless I am as a, as a human, raising other humans, raising children. It's seemingly an impossible task. Right? So many areas of gray, which I just don't know what to do, let alone deal with my own baggage that I bring to the parental table. But we keep praying, we keep fighting for those little ones. Our goal in prayer should be to lead them in the Lord so they may grow in faith and wisdom. Part of the difficulty is what motivates children. It's one of the hardest battles in, in raising kids. Uh, it, it's, it's why they do what they do. Right? If we want to raise little devoted disciples, why they should obey us and why they should obey God is important. Look at John 14, 15. It's, it's the, the, what motivates us or what ought to motivate us is right there. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Godly obedience is driven by love. Right? We should want our kids to obey, but not, not because they're fearful of a spanking or getting their toys taken away. Right? We should want them to obey, but not, not because we're bribing them with something. Hey, if you do what, hey, listen to mom and dad, and you get an ice cream. Listen, the, the motives of reward and punishment, that, that's, dogs can do that. Dogs can do that. Our hope and prayer should be that, that we teach them higher motives, even greater than obligation, that we can tell them, you should love and trust me because you love and trust God. Love being the greatest motivator. But I promise you, they learn motives from you. Why do you discipline, reward? What, well, why do you, how do you parent your children? Is it, is it out of fear that someone may look poorly at you? They'll think of you as the bad parent? Is it out of reward that you, that you, want, that you want to be seen highly in the eyes of others? Hopefully you parent your children out of love. Not because you have to. Not out of obligation. Because if I don't, I'm going to get in trouble by the law. Imagine if I said, that's why I feed my kids, because I don't want to get arrested for neglect. Right? You go, you're a bad parent. I take care of them, because hopefully they'll make a lot of money, and one day they can take care of me. I would be a bad parent if that's what motivated me. We love our kids, thus we parent them. But your motive needs to be on display so they too can learn that motive for why they should obey and follow you and the Lord. Next point we see is to be honorable. Verse 2 says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Paul points them to the law of God, the moral law, the Ten Commandments, right? In fact, he's quoting the Fifth Commandment, Deuteronomy 5, 16. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, and your days may be long, and it may be go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. 
Now, obedience is a form of honor, right? But honoring is more than simple obedience, right? To honor a parent is to hold them in, in high regard, high esteem. It's to respect them. It's to value them heavily. It's bringing shame, or it's not, rather, bringing shame on the father and mother. It's not attempting to embarrass them or to slander them. Now, let's understand something. The fifth commandment, the, the law of God, there's not certain laws that are given to certain subsects of the church. And children, this is your law that you have to obey. Right? The, the moral law, the Ten Commandments, is for all of us at all times. It's never okay for anyone to dishonor their parents. That includes you, married people, who are out of your parents' homes. You're still called to honor them. Financially independent people, you're still called to honor them. As difficult as that may be, that is the calling. It is in opposition to God's will that you and I dishonor our parents. That doesn't mean you can't have tough conversations with them. It doesn't mean you can't disagree with them or even tell them that they're wrong. We don't have to ignore our mommy and daddy issues and justify their sinful mistakes. But the way we do this determines if we're sowing honor or dishonor. To show you how serious God takes dishonoring a parent, look at Leviticus 20 and 21. Some homework for you if you are interested. Um, there's a part where a, the, the law says, of a, it talks about a child who curses or dishonors the parent publicly, open, in front of everyone. The punishment for that child isn't, you got your switch taken away. Right? It wasn't, oh yeah, you're grounded. It was death. God takes it seriously. He does not take it lightly when we, as adults, dishonor our parents and he doesn't take it lightly when your little ones dishonor you. A child screaming, cursing, slandering their parents, it's, it's just not acceptable behavior. It's ungodly. And you should know that the Lord hates it. The Lord hates a child who spills out all the parents' dirty laundry as a means of mocking their parents. That's not okay. I know we think as our adults, we can do what we want, but God says, no, you can't. You must honor your mother and father. Parents, here's the tough part. We need to make it easier for our children to honor us, and we do that by being honorable, by living and seeking holiness, by being obedient to the commands of God, by encouraging and loving, by mimicking Christ throughout the week, throughout the day, as good as we can, and when we fail, we acknowledge it. Which is exactly where Paul takes us next. And our final point, be growing. Look at verse 4. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, Paul is not picking on dads here, but, you know, most likely dads are the ones that are a bit more severe with their kids. But in your context, it may need to read, mothers, do not provoke your children to anger. Listen, if provoking to anger leads to ungodliness, we may want to know what on earth that means. What does it mean to provoke our kids to anger? 
whether that's your biological kids, your spiritual children that are, the Lord has placed in your life? What does that look like? Listen, I've experienced it firsthand. I have seen it, and I am guilty of having done it. Right? I don't believe there's any parent alive who's not provoked their child to anger, either in their negligence or in their severity. So it might be good to ask, what sins in my life have caused my kids to be angry, to be bitter, to be spiteful, and in fact to go astray from where they ought to be, which is in discipline and instruction of the Lord? Do we provoke in selfishness by ignoring our children because we just don't want to deal with them? We've had a long week. We're tired. I don't know about you, by 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, I'm, I've had enough dad. Dad, dad, dad. Like I homeschool. They're with me all the time. It's exhausting. Or because maybe there's a maybe we're we're in, a, in our selfishness. We don't want to have a conversation that's difficult. It feels too uncomfortable. Or maybe you'd rather play on your phone than parent because that's more entertaining. Maybe it's creating unrealistic expectations for your child and blaming them when they inevitably fail these expectations that you created for them. I naturally think of the unfair expectations placed on pastor's kids. Usually, right, usually it's not by the congregation, usually it's by pastors, a.k.a. their dads. And listen, you can't sin like other kids. I'm a pastor. You can't be human. Why? For, for our, so our image is, is upheld. The perfect dad, the perfect mom. Listen, I can't tell you how many pastor's kids hurt deeply because of that. It's unfair and it's selfish and it's not about them. Perhaps you provoke your children in your hypocrisy. Right? You jump on your kids for their disrespectful behavior. Yet you freely yell at your husband, yell at your wife, telling people to shut up, words, saying things that you know you shouldn't say to any child. You have respect for no one, and you wonder where on earth did they learn such disrespect? Maybe... You put on a godly mask when you're here, but at home, Christ nor grace leaves your lips. I remember being at a, a, a conference, hearing this, and it hit me hard, and it, and it always will. The Lord sketched it on my brain. I don't even remember who said it, but the quote was, what if you spoke to your church like the way you spoke to your kids? Would you have a church left? Who would, who would stick around? Listen, if, if you spoke to your employees or your peers at work like you speak to your children, what would that look like? If you came in here on Sunday and spoke to one another like you speak to your children with the harshness and the severity or maybe the neglectfulness, I don't know. Wonder, what, what would that life look like? Listen, I promise you your kids see the hypocrisy. If it's there, and it will be at some point if it's not now, 
Your kids see it. They notice it. They know it's there, and it hurts. Sometimes, right, our hypocrisy takes the form of, I can speak this way, I can live this way. That's not, now, you shouldn't do that. That's not for you. Do as I say, not as I do. Maybe our sin is favoritism. Why can't you just be like your sister? Fill in the blank, your brother, the neighbor's kids. They're such good children. Always comparing, always negative. Criticisms that find themselves deep in the heart of a child. But most of us, if not all of us, are guilty of provoking in our severity with our kids. We overreact. Our punishment's unjust. We name call. We mock. I'll never forget seeing parents look at their kids and go, what's wrong? You're going to cry. You're going to cry. Like, I don't know about you, but to me, when I see that, I, I can't help but to get angry. Like, that should upset you. It's mean and it's cruel to act that way at a child. It's wrong. But it's done often. Mocking kids. Sometimes we blame them for our lack of self-control. Look at what you made me. You see how mad you make me? I wouldn't yell at you if you did this. Listen, it's not your kid's job to regulate your emotions. You're the parent. You're the one to act honorably. So it's easy to honor you. Here's two principles I do want to share, both found in how the Lord cares for us. First, do not discipline a kid for being a kid. Right? Kids spill drinks. You know, some kids lose their basketball shorts places in other people's homes. Right? Kids, sometimes kids just don't think. They just don't. They do weird stuff. I can't tell you how many times I'm like, kids, that's weird. Don't do that, right? It's just weird. Someone has to tell them they're homeschool, right? Normally their peers would, but. But we are not to discipline a kid for being a kid. Listen, we're always to be teaching. We're called to discipline rebellion, not not childhood. Second, when you fail in these things, which we all will, do not be a petty, prideful tyrant. Repent to your kids. Repentance in admitting guilt is not weakness. It shows you make mistakes. It shows you need grace. The people they look up to, it shows you need grace. And what's the beautiful part is they get to learn how to forgive. And if you want to learn how to forgive, forgive like a child. I'm always amazed. Oh, my gosh. I'm always amazed how often I've wronged my child, and they forgive, and they forgive. It's like it never happened. And I think to myself, I wish I could forgive like that. Incredible. You can learn from those little people. But you also get to show them what it means to repent. Do not be prideful to look at those little souls that you just tore into and and be honest with them and say, I am sorry. 
to look at those kids who you, you know you've ignored. You know that you haven't kept your end of the bargain and raising them in the way of the Lord to look at them and say, I'm sorry. I've sinned against you and I've sinned against God and you didn't deserve it. Will you forgive me? We often need to remember how has your Father in Heaven responded to your failures? And I can't tell you how many times I've caught my... I, can't, I mean, seriously. Um, I'll, I'll, it, it, they come off my tongue so easily. Maddox and Claire, why can't you just listen? And the Lord goes, that's a really good question. Jeremy, why can't you just listen? And how do you respond but, but in a posture of humility... Hopefully, we imitate our God and we lavish our kids with grace as he does to us. And we should not be obscuring God's grace by our unwillingness to repent. Look at verse 4 again. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but, what does he say? Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Right? Now, discipline isn't a bad thing. Right? Um, It's important that we do show grace, but also it is important that we discipline. Proverbs 12.1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. It's kind of a funny proverb, but it's true. God disciplines. Loving discipline may seem odd, but it's not loving the means of discipline. It's loving the aims of discipline. What's the goal of it? To correct our children from going astray. It's why those who love their children discipline. It's why there's a law against neglect, people who don't care about their children. Because children will do childish things and they will get hurt. You ought to discipline in the way of the Lord. For some of us, we hear discipline and and we kind of, our toes kind of curl up. We don't like it because we grew up with an healthy version of discipline. First, um, Discipline is not beating your kids into submission because they ticked you off, because you had a bad day at work. Too often, again, we discipline out of anger. We should discipline out of love. Think about why the Father disciplines us. It's because he loves you. He loves you. In fact, the word here is chastisement. It it means to discipline in, in a way to bring you back. Not beat you down, not belittle you, but return you to the fold. It is lovingly disciplining with the goal of teaching and correcting. It's not that we just want our kids to stop in action, right? We want, we want to point them in the right direction, where to go. And when we discipline, we discipline to a standard. And what is that standard? Holy Scripture. But also verse 4 says we're to discipline, but also instruct. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. If the only time, let me just say this, if the only time you're teaching Scripture or quoting Scripture at your kid is when you're yelling at them, then you're doing it wrong. It will create a disdain 
for Scripture, for the church, and it paints God in the most negative ways possible. You do harm to your child. That's the only time they hear the Word of God. Scripture actually tells us that we ought to be teaching our kids diligently, daily. It says, diligent to teach your children when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Constantly teaching your children, finding time and finding ways to teach them the gospel. Teaching them wisdom. There is no outsourcing of parenting. You get to do this. It's a privilege. It's an honor. It's an exhausting one. It's one that gives us gray hairs. We gain weight. We can't sleep. I think to myself, I'll, I've never, I'll never sleep the same way. I daydream like, man, remember how well I used to sleep before children? Even when the kids don't wake up, I still wake up in the middle of the night because I'm like, they're going to call out for me at some point. Or Maddox is going to crawl on the bed and need me 15 times on his way up to the bed. It's exhausting. But God has put those little ones in your care. He chose you. Mom and Dad, he chose you to parent them. Not someone else. You. I think of my mom, who, who died as an unbeliever when I was 13. I hate to think about it. But when she met God, she met his wrath for her sin. And I've thought often, uh, anytime my priorities tend to get out of whack, I tend to think, if the Lord gave her one more day, to come back and tell her lost little 13-year-old boy who was angry at God, if, she, if, he, if he had given her one more day to come and teach me something, what would it have been? I promise you, it wouldn't have been, let's get you in another soccer league. Now. It wouldn't have been, let's go play more video games together. Let's go watch another Marvel movie together. It wouldn't have been any of that. Because in that moment, she saw and knows now what we all know. The importance of the gospel and what it means and what, when you train your kids up to the Lord and what it costs when you don't. You know exactly what she would tell me. Listen, there's nothing wrong with soccer leagues or Marvel games. It just can't be the priority of parenting. The best advice I ever got, it was uh, in parenting, it was from my wife. Um, Claire was a week out, and we were week one of parenting. And, um, and she learned something amazing. She learned it from her dad. And so I, I think of this, um, grandparents, um, if you don't have kids, spiritual parents, you could have the same impact. But, but what's awesome, we read a scripture in the beginning that said, it talked about, you know, let what we do, uh, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but bless those who have not yet been created, let, you know, let it glorify God. Um, Psalm 102, verse 9, I think. 
I, I love that he invested the way he did as a dad because it has impacted me and has impacted my children. And I, I beg God that it impacts their children. My father-in-law, I walk in, and, and, and I'm, he, he prayed for me this morning. He said, hey, I've been praying for you. And, and I believe it. I know it. He, he, I remember him telling me when I, when I met Julie, when I came into the, uh, you know, when I was around early on, he says, listen, I don't know if you're it, but I've been praying for her spouse. But when she was born, I started praying for the day that she would get married. I didn't pray for you either, so you know, yeah. So truly, what, what I see is a man who's a godly man who raised his daughter in a godly way, and I step into, now I have this one-week-old baby, and I have no clue what to do. But his instruction to his daughter, it, 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 it like stayed in her heart. And when I said, when do I start reading the Bible to, to Claire? Because I'm thinking 13, 12, you know, when she can understand me, when it's not a waste of time. She said to me, it's the best advice I've ever gotten. She said, right now. Right now. I remember I rolled my eyes at her because I'm like, what's the point? What's the point? And she said, if not for her, do it for you. So you get used to it. Listen, teach your children the gospel diligently with every breath you can because, again, you're not promised tomorrow. Teach them, discuss with them, talk about Scripture. Teach them both in word and in deed. Let them see that you believe as much as you say you do. Teach them the gospel. Teach them wisdom. Teach them grace as you show them grace. Teach them mercy as you show them mercy. Teach them holiness as, as, as you seek to be holy. Teach them discipline as you are open and, and repentant. Tell them and prep them for the day they will meet their perfect dad who will never fail them, who won't hurt them, body or soul, who won't be severe towards them, who won't lie to them, who won't act selfishly, who won't lose their temper at them, and whose love for them is so great and so deep that he conquered their death so that our children may have life. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. To learn more about New Heights Church or a relationship with Christ, please visit our website at www.newheightswv.com.